The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, we've been uh, talking about being right through Christ, and we're on part four now, right through Christ, part four. And the topic that we've been studying is God's righteousness and mankind's justification. God's righteousness and mankind's justification. So let's go ahead and read some scripture. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're looking, going to be looking at verses 21 through 31. Verse 21 will be our key verse. What we're trying to do today is define justification. Not as man defines it, but as God defines it. Because after all, that's all that really matters, right? Is how God defines justification, not how man defines justification. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be delving into today. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's pray and read the Scriptures. Father, we just thank You for Your righteousness. You told us over and over again throughout the Word of God and certainly throughout Romans chapter 3 that Righteousness is of you. That what man so desperately needs is not his own righteousness, which in effect is no righteousness at all, but your righteousness. Father, we just pray that you'd speak to us through your Spirit now. Speak unto your church. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 3, let's look at verse 21 with me, if you would. But now the righteousness of God, I want you to pay attention to that, that phrase, if you will. The righteousness of God, and look for the repetition here as we read these verses. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed, that is being foretold and corroborated, and that kind of reminds me of what we've been hearing in the news cycle lately about testimony, right? And witnesses and corroboration and how important that is, right? But God had no problem having witnesses, right? Providing witnesses. He had no problem with corroborating His Word. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, verse 22, even the righteousness of God. There's that phrase again. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. So, this is an exclusive righteousness, isn't it? It's only to those who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned, not just me, but you too. For all have sinned and come short 
And we come far short, right? We come way, way short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare whose righteousness? His righteousness. For the remission of sins that are past, that is in past times, You see, God had to forbear, right? He had to withhold his wrath upon men until the time of the Messiah. Until Christ came. And was obedient to him even unto death. Through the forbearance of God. Rendering God propitious towards us, to sinners. Verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see, Jesus is the just justifier. He is the justifier. We, I, am not my own justifier. You are not your own justifier. Jesus is. The great justifier. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. The circumcision and the uncircumcision are made righteous the same way. And what way is that? By faith. And faith alone. Verse 31, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid... Or certainly not, exclamation, 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 right? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And if you look at the text there before you of the verses that we just read, what do we see about the righteousness of God? Verse 1, the righteousness of God. Sorry, verse 21, the righteousness of God. Verse 22, the righteousness of God. Verse 25. The righteousness. His righteousness. You see that? And the same in the following verse. Verse 26. His righteousness. So I think it's fair to say that our righteousness is all about His righteousness. Right? How do we receive righteousness? It's all about Christ's righteousness. Amen? So the Apostle Paul has now proven with many proofs as we've been studying in Romans that no man can be righteous in the sight of God. Jew or Gentile. 
by perfect obedience to the law in heart and life. Whether the law of Moses or the law of nature. Because depraved, what does that mean, depraved? Corrupt, right? Wicked. Depraved, depraved sinful man is unable to keep God's moral law perfectly, which is what God requires. Man's foremost problem is not the wealth gap that we hear about. It's not the wage gap either, nor the credibility gap. Truth-telling, right? Although, that is certainly a problem, is it not? We have a real problem today with honesty, with men telling the truth, don't we? With integrity, we do. The, the foremost problem with man is what I call the righteousness gap. God is holy and righteous. Man is unholy and unrighteous. How then can man's righteousness gap, this great chasm between us and God, right? This great gulf between us and God, how can that be bridged with God? How does unrighteous man obtain righteousness with God? This righteousness that we so desperately need in order to be saved from hell, eternal punishment from God. Paul first began to speak about the righteousness of God in the very first chapter of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, if you could look with me, verses 16 through 17. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that worketh, to everyone that believeth. Of course, nothing at all with works is mentioned there. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, the gospel being delivered first and foremost to the Jewish nation in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Verse 17, for therein, in what? In the gospel is the righteousness of God. We've stumbled upon God's righteousness again, haven't we? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. It is a righteousness of God and from God. From faith to faith. The Bible goes on to say, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that men are made righteous by God, declared just before Him, and given spiritual life now and forevermore, throughout all eternity. In other words, it is through by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ that we are sanctified positionally. 
before God. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we live eternally with Him, and it is by faith, Christian, that we live the abundant, victorious life in Him. We may not always understand why God is working in our life, how He's working, but we don't have to understand, right? We simply just need to trust God. God wants us to trust Him. We have to let go of our natural desire to trust ourselves, to want to be the end-all, be-all, and cast all that care and concern upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's look at the key verse here, Romans 3.21. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So I talked to you before about how when you get into God's Word and you're, and you're studying, it's a lot like digging ditches, right? Memorizing Scripture and studying God's Word and looking for those buried treasures. And I, and I really felt that way with this study. I, I really encourage you to, after this study, sometime this week, to study the righteousness of God. And ask God to show you those hidden treasures in his word, on our vacation with the Gerses in La Jolla, we, were, we went to this, uh, this gold panning place. We actually were panning for gold, but it was kind of, you know, it was set up, right? It was set up for, for kids, but they, you know, they had water coming down. I don't know what you call that thing. It's like a sludge or something like that. What is that? Slough. Sludge. 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 Slough. Okay. Slough. Sluice. Sluice. Sorry. And they, you know, they would dump basically sand in there, which had gold. And it had a lot of fool's gold. But, you know, we really had to work to find those pieces of gold. I noticed that when we checked in, they didn't give us like a big canister or bucket to put gold in. Where's Brother Gareth? Gareth, what do they give us? A little thing like this. <laughs> full of water, right, that you're supposed to put the gold in. So they weren't expecting us to find a whole lot, I guess. But there was sincerely gold in there. In fact, one of the uh, employees was showing us the ropes, and he actually showed us some specks of gold. But you know, that's how God's Word is, isn't it? There's no sand. It's all treasure. But we're rewarded when we just put in the work, right? And we... We find those, those pieces of gold God has left for his people. Amen. In verse 21, the verse starts out, but now. And it means just what it says. Now, in this present time, in this gospel dispensation, during the revelation of the Messiah. Who's the Messiah? The Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 4 4 tells us, but when the fullness of time. That's another expression for what? The gospel dispensation. 
But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Under the moral law and the ceremonial law, Christ fulfilled both, did He not? And Christ was the chief end of the law, wasn't he? He was the exclamation point. He was the period for you teachers. <laughs> the end of the sentence, right? At the end of the law. But now the Bible says, the righteousness of God. And this is what I intended to primarily speak about today. And I know it's the righteousness of God. That's a heavy subject, right? So I hope you, hope you had your coffee or whatever wakes you up this morning. But now the righteousness of God. This tells us how man is made righteous with God. The righteousness of God, Paul speaks of here, is not God's attribute of righteousness, although God is righteous but a divine work which God has already accomplished in Jesus Christ by His obedience in life, His suffering, and His death. God performed His divine work of righteousness on our behalf so that we, the elect of God, could be declared righteous in Him. Romans 5.19 For as by one man's disobedience... And I would hate to be that man. But we're all that man, aren't we? We are, aren't we? For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ shall be made, many be made righteous. You see, we are not righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous, but we are made righteous, right, by God. Man is made righteous through Christ's perfect obedience to the law and his obedience to pay the penalty of the law, even unto death. Not for his account, but for our account. Philippians 2.8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, that is the Father, hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, to be an atoning sacrifice for sin on our behalf. Our sins were imputed to Christ. Our sins were transferred, if you will, to Christ on the cross. The Bible goes on to say, who knew no sin? 1 Peter 1.19 tells us that Jesus Christ was a perfect sacrifice, a lamb without spot or blemish, having no sin of his own, being perfect under the law. that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. You see, Christ earned righteousness for us. Christ already had righteousness. 
He was with the Father in heaven. He had righteousness. He didn't earn it for himself. He became a man and earned righteousness for us. First Corinthians 1.30 But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Do you see that righteousness is right there along with sanctification and redemption? But whose righteousness is there? God's righteousness, right? The righteousness of God signifies the fulfillment of God's moral law by the means that God has appointed and provided. His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, man's representative head, much as Adam was our representative head in sin, Jesus Christ, man's representative head, fulfilled the law for us by being in perfect conformity to it, meeting all of its demands and thereby earning positive moral righteousness for the elect's sake. Positive moral righteousness is a requirement to merit eternal life in heaven and fellowship with the Lord forever. And if you're interested in studying that more, I found it very fascinating uh, I believe they have this online. I definitely saw these pages online, but Wayne Grudem, Systematic Theology, on pages 570 through 571, it goes into great detail about the earned righteousness of Jesus Christ and the benefits that that provided to God's people. Furthermore, Jesus Christ voluntarily paid the penalty of the law on the cross suffering the wrath of Almighty God. A lot of times we think of maybe just the physical death of Christ, don't we? And we should. But you know, that wasn't the, the main suffering that he experienced, right? I mean, other people who were crucified experienced that same physical suffering, right? What was unique as Christ hung upon that cross is He literally took upon Himself all of our sin. And by doing so, took upon Himself the full wrath of God for all of our sins. That's an amazing thing. It's a very humbling thing. Jesus Christ voluntarily paid the penalty of the law on the cross, suffering the wrath of Almighty God and death for all the sins of the elect, satisfying God's justice and removing the guilt of our sins from us. You see, we were guilty. What happens if you go before a judge and you're guilty? You're found guilty. It's not good, is it? Hopefully none of us will have to go through that. Maybe some of you have. Jesus Christ 
had to take away our guilt so that we could be justified before the righteous and holy God. Amen? These are great. This is a great truth. It's, it's heavy stuff, but it's great, great truth that we must understand. Christ, having fulfilled the law in every way, imputes his righteousness, an infinitely perfect righteousness, the righteousness of God himself to the count of unrighteous sinners, so that Christ's righteousness becomes our own. Christ's imputed righteousness is applied to the sinner's account by faith alone in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Romans 10.4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He's the end of it, right? He's the conclusion of it. He's the purpose, the point, the fulfillment of the law. For what? For righteousness. To everyone that believeth if you will receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not done so already. Romans 3.22, in this same chapter, even the righteousness of God, which is what we're talking about, isn't it? Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So if you would, let's go back and, and look at verse 21 once again. But now the righteousness of God without, separately or apart from, the law is manifested or made known to men. The righteousness of God that we just spoke of is made known to men only through the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And is without any regard to man's obedience to law, good works, or righteous acts performed by sinful men. The law reveals to us what God's moral standard of righteousness is, but it does not provide us with the power or ability, in other words, the efficacy to obey it. The purpose of the law is to show us that we are sinners. And that because we are sinners, we are justly condemned by the righteous God. Therefore, the law does not reveal to us how to obtain a righteousness that makes us righteous in the sight of God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that expressly reveals this. Praise God for the gospel of Christ. That saved your soul. That saved my soul. Praise God. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Robert Haldane made this statement. When the question is put, why is the gospel the power of God unto salvation? How few give the clear and unfaltering answer of the apostle. 
because therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Therein. Where? In the Gospel. Philippians 3.9 And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God. By faith. 2 Peter 1.1 Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. I mentioned this at the very beginning. That God gave testimony throughout the entire Word of God, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the books of Moses, throughout the book of Psalms, the prophets, that he would come to give, to make man righteous, so that man could be made righteous. The law, particularly the Pentateuch and the prophets, are and were a testimony of the total depravity of man, of man's inability to conform to the law of God, and of man's just condemnation. The law and the prophets testified of the justifying righteousness of Jesus Christ that would come, that would need to come in order to save men from their own destruction. Luke twenty four forty four, And he said unto them, This is Jesus Christ. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. The testimony of the justifying righteousness of Jesus Christ in the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. Let's look at that. this and we'll look, just look with the remaining time we have it. As many examples as we can. Genesis 3.15, the Bible says, and I will put... This goes all the way back to Genesis, right? In the very beginning. God's promise of His righteousness to man. And I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, or in other words, all humankind, it or he, the Bible is talking about the Messiah there, Jesus Christ, shall bruise thy head. That's what the Lord did in his obedience in life and death on the cross as he took upon himself the punishment for our sins, the penalty, the wrath of God. He crushed the head of the serpent. He delivered a fatal crushing blow to Satan's power over death. His dominion. His tyranny over the souls of men. As well as fulfilling the promise of grace, righteousness and redemption to fallen men through Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say, And thou shalt bruise his heel. It wasn't without suffering, was it? But Christ 
the Lord Christ was victorious for our account on our behalf. Genesis 15, 6, And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. It was the Lord's righteousness imputed to him, wasn't it? Genesis 22, 18, And in thy seed, in Abraham's seed, in Abraham's one and principal seed that should spring from him, the Messiah, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed with all spiritual blessings in him. Especially, what? His righteousness. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. And offering up Isaac, his son, by faith, right? Obeying God. And God blesses the obedient Christian. We need to wrap things up, but I did want to ask you a couple questions to consider. The first is, whose righteousness are you trusting in? Your own righteousness or Christ? Whose lifelong record of obedience would you rather rely upon? Having heard what you've just heard, having studied what we've just studied, whose lifelong record of obedience would you rather rely upon for your standing before God? Christ or your own? I pray that you haven't done so already, that you would repent of your sin and trust Christ's righteousness to save you from your sin and give you everlasting life. It is the only righteousness that justifies man. It's the only righteousness that will justify you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We can't thank you enough for saving us from hell for saving us from your judgment, for giving us positive righteousness that we could dwell with you in your presence for all eternity. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this, these great truths and applying Christ's righteousness to our hearts. And we pray for any soul here this morning that has not yet received you as Savior, that they would cast off their own righteousness and put on your righteousness to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.